0: October to uh, overseas, and you know, just how flying back from overseas, sometimes things happen, so I needed to have a, a message prepared, and so I, uh, I prepared a message, and I've been working on a message for a while, and going into this week, I was really confident in that message, I was ready to preach it, it was on the importance of children in the church, and following up VBS and the introduction, introduction of ali I was like, that is to be, be the perfect message for the day, The Monday rolled around. And I sat down at my computer and said, okay, Lord, I just want to make sure I got this all ready to go. You know, it's VBS week. And uh, in my spirit, I felt God directing me to a different message. And uh, I was like, really, Lord, it's VBS week. We're implementing a new software for the church that I'm in charge of putting in together. You know, I get nervous talking in front of adults. Um, But you know how it is when God wants you to do something. I didn't want to go get swallowed up by a well. So I said, okay, Lord, let's do this. And I, I asked Dr. Buskirk if he, if Chris had shared with him what, I, what God had laid on my heart to preach today, because his communion meditation went right along with the message. He said, I, he said, I had no idea. So uh, I really am confident that this is what God wants me to preach. So uh, let's dive in as we prepare for God's message for us today. Let's pray. Lord, I surrender myself to you right now. And I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be yours. I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would just come and speak to every person in this place. I pray you would put a hedge of protection around this place as I feel Satan does not want this message preached today. And Lord, I just pray that lives would be changed in your name. Amen. God designed us to be in relationship. To be in relationship with him and to be in relationship with others. From the beginning, God realized that it was good, wasn't good for us to be alone. God realized that while his ultimate plan was for us to be in relationship with him, we wouldn't be complete without others in our lives. Throughout the scriptures, both Old and New Testament, we see the importance of relationship. From David and Jonathan, to Ruth and Naomi, to Barnabas and Paul, and even Jesus himself, was a great example of this, surrounding himself with 12 friends, and inviting three, Peter, James, and John, into an even deeper relationship with him. However, God wasn't the only one in the equation. Just after God creates Eve, we see Satan enter the picture. And since the beginning, Satan has been at work destroying relationships. John 10.10 says the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. And that's Satan's goal in this world, to destroy our relationship with God and destroy our relationships with each other. Growing up Baptist, I was taught about Satan. And while I really didn't buy into the idea of the little red guy with the horns and the pitchfork, I did believe and I still do believe that there is an adversary out there who is seeking to turn as many away as possible from a relationship with God. A 2009 Barna study found that four out of 10 Christians, 40%, strongly agreed with the statement that Satan is not a living being, but is simply a symbol of evil. An additional two out of those 10, 19%, said they agree somewhat with that perspective. So a majority of Christians just six years ago believe Satan is simply a symbol of evil. Scripture is clear that we have an enemy who wants to destroy us. And it doesn't take us long to look around our world and see evil. From ISIS to the mass shootings that have become all too common in our country, to terrorism, to two teenagers four miles from our church murdering their family, we see there is evil. I see Satan attacking Christians in three specific areas. He is attacking Christian marriages. He is attacking Christian families. And he's attacking our personal relationships with God. And today we are going to look at three ways that Satan attacks us in these areas. The first way that Satan attacks us through deception. In the Garden of Eden, Satan deceived Adam and Eve. In Genesis 3, 1 through 5, we find these words, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say that you must not eat of any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that if you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Satan is described in that scripture as crafty. And another word for that is deceptive. Satan deceived Eve, convincing her that God was withholding something wonderful from them and that the fruit would make them like God. And wouldn't that be a good thing? The problem is that it wasn't true. Adam and Eve believed Satan's lie rather than what God had told them from the beginning, leading them to horrible consequences. That's exactly how the devil operates he distorts the truth in order to harm us as people. Satan is still deceptive with us today in our relationship with God. God repeatedly affirms his love for us. Jeremiah 33, 3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. 1 John four ten not that we loved God, but that God loved us. 1 John 3, 1, see what kind of love the Father has given to us and John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But what does God, what does Satan say? Satan says God doesn't love you. Look at all the problems you have in your life. If God loved you, you wouldn't have problems. And that sounds convincing. Yet all people face problems. It's part of life. It's part of sin. What Satan doesn't tell us is that if we have a relationship with God and we depend on him, that God is there for us and can help us lead us through those problems. We do not need to shoulder or solve all the problems on our own. Matthew 11:28 28 says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Satan uses deception in marriage as well. And I want to stop and talk to those of you who aren't married. And that may sound strange since I just said that Satan is attacking marriages through deception, But I believe that deception starts before we are even married. The attack starts in the way that we date. One of the biggest issues in relationships and marriages, and why so many, I believe, end in divorce, is that we are so busy looking for a relationship instead of trusting God to lead us to the one that he has designed for us. I see it in youth ministry all the time, and I've seen it in over 20 plus years of ministry. I see it on Facebook with young adults who I'm friends with. Young people are so busy looking for Mr. and Mrs. Right that they take God out of the process. Satan deceives us into believing that we have to find our future spouse instead of focusing on our relationship with God and trusting Him to lead us to that person that He has for us. I often ask our students why they want to date. And they say, to discover the qualities or what we want or don't want in a spouse. And that's a really good answer. I believe that we are part of the process. However, I believe that God should be driving that process. Your relationship with your spouse doesn't start with your spouse. It should start with your relationship with God. And the greatest way for single people to have a long-lasting marriage or for those of us who are already married to have a long-lasting marriage is to make our relationship with God a priority. I see this in students' lives as well. They think living as a teenager, uh, someone keeps them from having all the fun that their friends are having. The reality is that living in relationship with God is the best life. They are deceived by Satan to think that isn't true. I shared the first part of John 10 10 earlier, which says the thief, Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But the second part of that verse, which by the way is Jesus himself talking, says, but I have come that you may have life and life to the fullest. Satan is doing everything he can do to keep us from having the best possible life. When he deceives us into believing that God doesn't care for us or that God is not interested in our lives, we cannot experience that abundant full life that God has designed for us. So first, Satan wants to deceive us. Next, Satan wants to distract us from God and he wants to keep us from having the lives that God has planned for us. Satan tends to use life to distract us from God. We've had a little distraction today with uh, with the multimedia not working. This week, as I prepared for the message, knowing that God had called me to do a new message that I hadn't prepared for, uh, here's what happened in my life. Monday, our dryer at our house went out. It seemed like every day when I came into the office and I shut my door and I got ready and focused to work on the sermon, someone would come and knock on my door and just have to talk to me. And, of course, it was VBS week. Then Friday, as I got up to come to the office, to a normally really quiet day around the office because we're technically closed, Uh, I walk in, I I get up and I'm like, man, our house is hot. And I look at our thermostat to discover that our air conditioner is broken. So I spend all day on the phone with our American Home Shield warranty trying to line up someone to work on our house. It's just thing after thing after thing, distractions. Satan distracts us by keeping us busy. We are so busy as a society. I was looking at my calendar just this week and I told my mom, she can testify this, I said, mom, I need to add six days or six hours to every day just to be able to get through because my life is so busy. I remember when Sundays and Wednesdays were considered church days. Teachers didn't give homework, sports weren't scheduled, schools didn't have any special events. Now Sundays or Wednesdays are just another day full of things for us to do. I hear there was a time that families actually sat down and had dinner together and talked about their days. Now that time is going, those conversations happen, going from the next one thing on our calendar to the next thing on our calendar. The busier we are, the further down the priority God becomes on our list. We aren't spending, when we aren't spending time in daily relationship with God, that makes Satan's job easy. And when we are investing in our relationship with God, Satan is still going to attack. Satan uses distraction in our marriages too. Satan distracts us from the pursuit I want to ask you to think back to that time. Uh, For some of you, this might be a little more difficult when you were single. Do you remember what it was like when you first met that significant other? You ladies looked at him and said, well, hello, handsome. And you fellows looked at him, at her and said, thank you, Jesus. As a youth pastor, I see this all the time. The guy sees the girl, the girl sees the guy and the chase is on. And we were just like them. Parents, if you have kids who have discovered the opposite gender, you, send it, you see it. They can't spend enough time with their special someone. They spend all that time, you go pick them up or they get home, and then they go to their rooms and they're on social media or on their phones or, or texting or Facebooking or FaceTiming their special someone. And marriage is the same way. We, we fall in love with that person. We, you know, when we're dating, we can't get enough of each other, and then we get married. Something happens. Subconsciously, I think we think the chase is over and we stop pursuing our significant other. It's as if once we get married, we put the relationship on cruise control and just think it will end up where we need it to. Sadly, some may not even be on cruise control anymore. Perhaps your marriage is on coast. and It's just a matter of time before you hit one of those uphill times in your life and your marriage is going to stop. I feel as though I need to stop right here and and say to someone in this room, I don't know who it is, that it's not too late. Fight for your marriage. Don't give up on your marriage. Take control of the situation. Ask God to rekindle that fire in you that was there when you were dating. Marriage is the toughest job that I have ever had. I am not a perfect husband. My wife is not a perfect wife. Sorry, honey. Um, It takes time. It takes effort. But think back to how hard you pursued that special someone when you were dating. All the special things you did for each other. How you would you will always look at the good. That's how it has to be in marriage. If we worked as hard on a marriage as we did when we were dating, we would have a lot stronger marriages. Another way that Satan distracts in marriage is by turning our sides towards the negative rather than focusing on building on the positive think back again to when you were dating I bet that if I would if we could like get a time machine and go back to that time and I sat down and interviewed you guys I would ask you for the positive and you could make a list five six pages long of all the positives that you felt about your significant other and then if I said well now tell me some negatives you'd be like uh and it'd be hard because for some reason when we're dating we don't see the negatives we are not perfect people that's why we don't have perfect marriages. You can't take two imperfect people, put them together in the same house, and expect perfection. That said, when we focus on God and we focus on the positives, God will bless that. For students, the distraction comes from who they are in Christ. That is what big stuff was about, all, was about this year. That these students are God's masterpieces. That you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Yet so many of our students... Don't feel like masterpieces. They don't believe how awesome they are. I bet if you were to ask every adult who went to camp about our students, they would go on and on and on and on and on and on and on on about how amazing our students are. I have made a conscious decision since we got back from camp to tell them how much they are loved and how special they are. But they've been deceived and distracted by what society says is beautiful or smart or incredible, and they don't see themselves as God sees them. So students, I want you to look at me right now and hear my words. You are amazing. You are incredible. You are beautiful. You are handsome. You are incredible. Whatever society says and Satan tells you is a bunch of baloney. And you could probably think of other words. But know that you're loved and we care about you. So Satan deceives, Satan distracts, and the final way that Satan attacks us is through discouragement. In our relationships with God, this might look like another failed attempt in your commitment to a spiritual discipline. Perhaps you decided that you were going to spend a daily quiet time with God and you missed a couple days. So Satan creeps into your mind and discourages you by making you feel guilty, saying, see, you couldn't do it. Perhaps it's a lack of faith in a situation you're praying for. I remember two years ago when uh, we were in the process of moving here. You know, I was working here. Our house was attempting to sell. And I remember sitting in our offices frustrated at God saying, I've committed my life to vocational service for you. I've given my life 20 plus years to you. The least you could do is sell my house so I could be with my family. But that wasn't God. That was Satan just trying to discourage me. And what happened is when we waited and we just let go of that situation, our house I mean, it was a God thing. We had, we had designed this uh, lease-to-own thing that would have been a horrible thing for us because we would have had two house payments. And on the day we were going to sign the papers for that lease-to-own, a realtor calls me and someone put a contract on our house. The story about us finding the house we're living in now is a, is a, is a God thing. We were, we were looking at all these houses. We were actually in a house that we fell in love with, and it sold while we were in it. And Rex and I were so disappointed and frustrated And probably about 15 more adjectives that I can't say. (laughs) Because I'm a preacher. (laughs) But we're driving to this house we end up buying. And Rexanne says, why are we even looking at this house? It's $10,000 more than anything we've looked at. And we're at a stoplight and say, give me that. I had inverted the last two numbers of the MLS number. And we're like a block from the house. I'm like, all right, well, I guess we should go look at it. And we walk in, and all I hear Rexanne saying is, wow, 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 wow. I looked at Sean Moran and said, I'm in trouble. And normally, Mr. Sunshine Pumper, Mr. Glass 90% half full, was like, we cannot afford this house. And Rexanne, who is a little more um, real, I'll put it that way, a little more level, doesn't necessarily see things always like that. Said, we're going to put in an offer, and the worst they can do is say no. And we made an offer, they made an offer, counter, boom, we're living there. God does that. Something that's, yeah, something that Satan meant as discouragement, God used for his glory. As I, I, as I mentioned in my introduction, I get extremely nervous uh, preaching in front of adults. I have to constantly fight Satan telling me that I'm not good enough to preach in front of adults. And the reality reality is the best messages that I've ever preached are when I don't try to create the message. I just say, okay, God, (laughs) it's yours. Take it. Because Satan is trying to discourage me. But when I trust in God, God gets the final word. In my marriage, or in marriage, not my marriage, in marriage, uh, discouragement can come in many ways. Perhaps you have started to struggle to see things from the perspective of your spouse. Or perhaps, even worse, you feel like they don't see things from your perspective. That's discouraging. Sadly for some, marriage has become so discouraging that it's now a partnership rather than a relationship. Some couples have given up on being happy and simply are going through the motions. Your lifetime partners because when you stood before God and the church and made your covenant to each other... You said we will do this for life, but now it feels like you're more like roommates than married people. For our students, this, this discouragement comes in the form of self-esteem. The themes, the things that they shared at camp, broke the hearts of our volunteers, some of, of our volunteers and myself. Satan has our students so discouraged about life that we need to pray for them. So let me give you some encouragement. I hate to read. Mom will tell you, that was my biggest struggle in school. I didn't like to read. But I have read the end of the Bible. And I know how the story ends. Satan loses and God wins. But we don't have to wait for Jesus to come back to start claiming and experiencing the victory that Christ has for us. It's time for us to stand up and fight. To fight for a living, vibrant relationship with God for ourselves. Satan can't deceive us if we are living and growing in our relationship with God. If we are investing in our relationship with God and making God the number one priority in our lives, we will be able to see through that deception. The closer you become to God and the less Satan is able to deceive you, the more Satan will attempt to deceive you. So just be ready. You must keep your eyes on God the whole time. It's time for us to fight for our marriages. I would assume that most of us got married because we believed our spouse to be the one we wanted to spend the rest of our lives with. If that's the case, your marriage is... And it's not your marriage is not what you want it to be. Instead of seeing the bad, fight to make it better. We have a class every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. called Relationship RX, where couples are investing in their marriages and working to have stronger marriages. I know nine o'clocks an early time, but if you really want to invest in your marriage, be there. It'll help it. I want to stop and ask you to uh, join me in praying and fighting for our students. Last summer, God did some amazing things in our student ministries. And those things continued through the year. And then again, this summer at camp, God did some amazing things again. However, in the three weeks since we've been back from camp, it's been blatantly obvious that Satan is not going to just let God have this victory in our students' lives. They have become more attacked than they were before they went to camp. And so I think the reason God has done amazing things the last two years at camp is because I gave you those prayer bracelets and you guys were praying constantly for our students so I'm going to ask, I believe Satan has put a target on our student ministry, and he wants to stop what God's going to do. I believe that God wants to do something amazing, and so I'm calling our church to prayer. Prayer for every person in our congregation to just develop a strong, vibrant, growing relationship with him. I'm calling our congregation to prayer to the, for the marriages in our church. Pray for those who are married, that, that, that we would be a model for others to see. The greatest witness we can have in this world is a Christian marriage because in, in, throughout Scripture, the, the marriage is used to compare our relationship with Christ in the church. If we have strong marriages, people can see the relationship with Christ in the church. And I'm calling our congregation to uh, pray specifically for our students and for our student ministry. First Peter 5.8 says, Be on your guard and stay awake. Your enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion sneaking around trying to find someone to attack. We must invest in our relationship with God, our spouses, and our families so that Satan doesn't see us as a vulnerable target. There's a saying in the teen world right now, it's come at me. Well, Satan is coming at us, and it's time that we stand up and fight. As I was preparing this message, God revealed something to me that I had never noticed. Ephesians 5, 21 through 33 is Paul's uh, instructions on Christians' households. That's the husbands love your wives, wives submit to your husbands as Christ does the church, that part. Then immediately following that in chapter, uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, are Paul's instructions to the children, saying, honor your mother and father for your days will be long, right? Parents don't exasperate. I love that word, exasperate your children, okay? And then there's a small section on slaves and owners. We could, we could equate that to our work lives, how we relate and our relationships with our, our fellow coworkers, but immediately following that, Ephesians 6:10 through 17 is Paul's part on spiritual warfare. I thought how appropriate that Paul follows up all the things on marriage, children and relationships with people that we are interacting with with spiritual warfare, because we are in spiritual warfare. Satan is attacking, and it's time for us to fight. At camp, the speaker asked um, our students to be bold. 2,000 students in a room, a little bigger than this, after the message on uh, salvation. And the, the speaker said, I'm going to ask that if you want to make, rela- make a commitment to Christ, that you stand up right now because that takes boldness. And today I wonder as we close, our serv- as we close this portion of the service, if God's been speaking to you. If God has laid on your heart that you need to refocus your efforts in your relationship with God. If God said to you in your spirit, I desire a relationship with you, come after me, come with me. If that's you, in a moment I'm going to ask you to stand. I wonder if you are a a married couple in here and, and you've been wrestling with your marriage. And you would say, you know what, I'm ready to fight for my marriage. I love this person from the start and I'm willing to fight for them now. And this, this is going to be a bold thing. I'm going to ask you to stand up in a moment. I'm going to ask our students, if you, uh, if you would be willing to admit that, that you're wrestling with who you are in Christ. And you feel that Satan is deceiving you. And you want to say, I want to fight, for, I want to, fight to see who God sees me as. I'm going to ask you to stand up as well. And I'm going to do that, and I'm going to just ask, because I want to pray for us. So if you are a person who wants to work on your relationship with God, if you are a married couple who wants to work on your marriage, or if you're a student who you feel like you need me to pray for you, because God, Satan is just telling you how, how unimportant you are, that you're not God's masterpiece, I'm going to ask you to stand right now. Lord, I just pray right now for those who are standing. It takes great boldness to stand up in front of people that you don't know that well. Lord, I just pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, the power that comes from only you, that you would just speak into the lives of these who have stood and those who may have wanted to stand but didn't. Lord, we declare that we want you to invest in our marriage. We want to fight for our marriages. We declare that we want to fight for our relationships with you. And we declare we want to fight for our self-worth, for our students. Lord, help us to realize that you are in control. We pray you bind Satan from these people's lives, that you would just come alongside us and walk with us in those days that we want to quit and we want to just give up. When Satan deceives us, Satan discourages us, and Satan uh, just gets in our way, deceives us. Lord, please, Lord, step in and disrupts our life. Lord, step in and get, in, get him out of our way so that we can get to you. In your name, amen. As our worship team comes, the altar is open for prayer for anybody who'd like to. I invite anybody to stand. If you'd like to invest your life in this church, this is a place that you'd like to call home. We'd love to have you. I'll be here to receive you at the front.